1: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. Dweboid we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Welcome to how preschool teachers do it.
3: This is Allison Kentos. I am an early childhood educator.
2: And this is Cindy Tarabush. I am an early childhood consultant.
3: This podcast is for parents and early childhood professionals.
2: Let our experience and research-based knowledge become your guide. Hi, this is Cindy, and Allison um, is also on the line. Say hi, Allison. Hi. (laughs) And um, today we're going to talk about something that really can impact how we raise and work with young children, and that's bias. Um, Bias, I don't know if that term is really well-defined. I think that when we think bias, we always think just sort of religion or racial Prejudice, but there's so much more to it. Um, yeah. Yet, yeah, right? There's so much more yes. to it. We're all raised with bias. We have bias because we we think that the where we come from and our culture and the way we are raised and the way that we live our lives is normal. And there really
3: is no normal. Well, sometimes I like to think that it's all normal. Right. Right. Well, yeah. You I mean, know? you can look at it that no way. Normal. It's
2: just that it's all normal. It's all. I, you're right. Yeah. We could look at it yeah. that way. There's, but there's yeah. no. There's like no one definitive norm. Correct. But that's yeah. that's always our point of view. And yeah. And uh, it was so interesting. I took a class recently having to do with this notion that, you know, my normal is not your normal, and that doesn't right. make it any less normal. Normal. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I I took this class recently, and I found it fascinating. So I was telling Allison about it. We decided to share some information um, on the podcast about it so that everyone who has any role in a young child's life can think about it because in every interaction, we're teaching them, you know? Right. Um, and so what I have in front of me, I'm just going to kind of go through this list really quickly from this class I took, a list of different social categories and what in, in, in the society in which Allison and I are speaking, which is um, North America, uh, the year 2018 to 19, you know, like yeah. in, in our, in our society right now where we are, what gives you power and agency and what would make you a target of bias? Um, so here are those categories, and then we can talk about them, Allison. And you can, yeah. the bo- both of us can talk about what we've experienced when working with children or what we've witnessed. So age-wise, um, Allison, I have good use- news for you and me. Um, we have are considered people with agency or power. If you are oh, an adult, nice. right? If you are an yeah. adult <laughs> between the ages of eighteen to sixty-four, oh. um, you have you you are in a position of power. However, if you are a child, an adolescent. Or someone over the age of sixty-four, I have bad news. Oh, yeah, that that would make you a possible target for bias. Um, And then there's the category of disability. Able people, of course, are in a position of power, and people with disabilities are not. Uh, Religious culture also has agency and target information. So you are in. Uh, a powerful position if you are a cultural Christian, agnostic, or atheist. Isn't that interesting? That is fascinating. Right? And you are not in a position of power if you are Muslim, Jewish, or any other non-Christian religion.
3: Well, that I figured, yeah. But the yep. agnostic and atheist. Isn't that interesting? Being lumped in, well, I knew Christian would be up there, but like. Right. That being lumped in <laughs> and with, I knew I would not. <laughs> and I
2: knew I knew I knew I would not. You know. I knew yeah, but, I know. But yeah. The, but. <laughs> now everyone can wonder. You all wonder about me now. Um so <laughs> so agnostics and atheists, I thought that was very interesting that they're considered to be in a position of power. Wow. I, I would yeah, have thought that they would be among the minorities, but apparently no. Right. Um, right. Ethnicity euro Americans where we live euro Americans, people who are American of European descent have power, and people of color do not. Yeah. Um, social class it says owning and middle class who have access to higher education are in positions of power, and the poor and working class are not
0: yeah
2: um, sexual orientation uh you know you can guess this, heterosexuals are in the position of power. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gay men, lesbians and bisexuals are not. And that's what's on this list. I'm not sure. This is a list in a scholarly work. Um, I see that they don't list transgender, but that would go right there under possible target. You know, yeah, I can look at the year of this what I'm looking at. I mean, it's fairly new, but um, let's see. Indigenous background, non-native, which means you are not Native American. That gives you power. And if yeah. you are Native American, you you have less power. Uh, if any at all. National origin, if you are where Allison and I are from, uh, if you are born in the United States, you have power. And if you are an immigrant or a refugee, no. And as far as gender, oh, here it is. As far as gender, males have power. Females, transgendered, and intersexed do not. Hmm. So when I was taking this class, we had to sit down with this chart And sort of tick off. Where do I fall? And it it usually is that in some areas of your life, you have agency and power. And in some areas of your life, you would be a target. You know, for example, I have agency and power as far as I am able-bodied. I'm an adult. I'm Euro-American. I'm U.S. born. But then I also am a target of bias because uh, of my religion because I am female you know there are other things so it can kind of go like that you can lean toward one or the other but I think the importance of the exercise was to recognize where am I sort of in a majority that has power and where am I not and I think it's a good exercise for everyone who works with children at least don't you oh yeah (gasps) yeah Because there, uh-oh, there's the dog. Um,
3: he, was, he was so quiet for a little there, while. I
2: know. So there yeah. are, there are like, you know, I think we have to recognize um, and we have to try and work with young children, raise them and teach them in ways where maybe we can produce less bias in our society. So I can give you an example and maybe you could think of others. You know, for example, in early childhood classrooms and in our interactions with young children, I would like them to know that females can also be in positions of power, and that doesn't make them um, nasty. It just makes them ambitious. And I would like them to see pictures of women in non-traditional roles for women, such as I don't know, like what, like construction, firefighting, firefighters. right, yeah. police officer yeah I would like to and, kind of mitigate some of these biases go ahead yeah
3: and that's like when it was firefighting week at school the firefighters came you know and I read this book like my mom is a firefighter there's a book oh, that's and awesome. one of the yeah one of the boys in my class is like well moms can't be firefighters and I went over this whole thing I'm like you can be whatever you want to be all you need to do whether you are a male or a female it doesn't matter you could be whatever you want to be all <laughs> all you need to do is go to a special school to be that somebody. So if you are a mom or a female and, or a girl or whoever, and you want to be a firefighter, all you have to do is go to firefighting school, learn how to be a firefighter, and you could be a firefighter. If you want to be a nurse and you are a male or a boy or a dad, and you want to be a nurse, you just have to go to school and learn how to do it. All it takes is going to school and learning. And then they finally kind of like, oh, that's all it takes. I'm like, yeah, you know, because they they don't, they don't know because all raised... they've ever seen is male firefighters. And like, you know? right. If
2: they're raised in an area where all they see is male or, or they mm-hmm. somehow got a message from somebody, from something that they said or, or whatever, that this is a man's job, then we have to kind of combat that notion by showing them evidence of the other. And then there are kids who are raised with such little bias. And and I find teachers sometimes cringe. I'm going to give you an example. And it isn't about this teacher specifically. I just want to tell you what a child said in response to a question. And that I can imagine some adults cringing at what this child said, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, the the class was asked what they know about families. A great exercise with young children when you're teaching young children, like during circle time, Um, is to sit them down and ask what they know about a topic that you're going to talk about. Because if they already know it, you don't need to hammer away at it. You have to teach them things they don't know. So there was this one class where the teacher said, what do you know about families? And here was a quote from a child. She wrote down everything they said. Here was a quote. It says, if a boy and a boy marry each other, or a girl and a girl marry each other, that's okay. It's whoever you like. And that came from a four-year-old. Yeah. Which means this child has been exposed to lack of bias having to do with the LGBT community. And that's something that we should applaud and support in my opinion. Um, Not everyone would agree with that. And that has to do with both my biases toward like, like you can have biases toward something. I have biases toward um, complete and total acceptance and other people don't. Right you know and I just think we need to kind of recognize this children especially today are going to walk into classrooms with I think this large variety of what they consider normal don't you think? Yeah.
3: and I think it's expanding like the school that I just came from the one that I just left a couple years ago there were a lot of families that had two dads, two moms uh-huh. mixed families so like when we would teach about families, the children knew, like, yeah, it's okay to have two dads because, you know, so-and-so over here has two dads. It's okay to have two moms and a dad because, you know, this girl over here has two moms and a dad. Like, it was just like, you know, and so it was more accepted at that school because they're like, yeah, that's that's what she has, so that's normal. And I think the more that these children are exposed to that, and they're going to be more exposed to it, more than we were when we were kids, for sure. you know, for sure, it's going to be more accepted, I think, because like it's hard for I think people our age sometimes to accept it because we weren't exposed to that when we were kids at all. That was not
2: so. So I guess that the question happening, but it is now. It is now, know? and and it's yeah. fine. And and I'm not, but I think the question is whatever it is, whether it's you know, sexuality or it's race or it's religion or ageism, right. you know, ageism yes. is another thing. It's another thing. Uh, yeah. it's another thing. You know, like yeah. I object to the notion that older people have no value in our society. Like, especially oh, as I, think I get older, a lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially as I get older, I'm getting a little sensitive about that. Um, yeah. but, but I think, you know, all these things, the ageism, everything, I think the question for those of us who interact with young children is what should our approach be? Because we all have bias.
3: Yeah. It's hard. Cause like, I know you have, everybody has bias, but it's almost like you need to, while you're, even if you don't believe in same sex marriage or whatever it is that we're talking about that day, you need to present it to the kids. Like it's okay because, and that's really hard. Yeah. It's almost like, like hide it from them. And that can be very hard for some people. You know, I, I'm pretty open to like, anything and everything. I, but like some people aren't and that's, so it's hard for them to be like, yeah, it's okay to have two dads, you know?
2: But you know what? It isn't only that. Like I, I was talking to somebody recently who assumed that a child of a minority background was one of the children whose parents had to pay for childcare with a subsidy. That wasn't right. true.
3: And that's not true. That wasn't true. Yeah. That yeah. is
2: not the subsidy child in your class.
3: Right. Right.
2: Like, that's not, that child's not being subsidized. Why are you assuming that? Right. I think that we need to start to do with professionals um, a lot of self-reflection, and I think we need to be offering professional development courses more than we do. About their biases. It's something I really want to get into. Yeah. It's something I really want to get into more having taken this graduate coursework because it's fantastic. To even just sit and think about what are your biases? Where do you fall in these categories? And I think that it's something that anyone who's listening to this podcast should start to look into yeah there's this really great website. I think it's through Harvard. Oh, I wish I pulled it up before we started recording. But it's like you go on and they show you pictures and ask you questions. and real quick, you have to click on the picture that oh, that you think yeah. applies and it shows yeah. you where your biases are. Yes, do you no, know that I've website
3: seen that. I don't know the website, but I've seen that before. um like it's Googling almost like no matter w- talk, no matter what. You you feel like you fail, <laughs>
2: right? Um, yeah. Part about bias. Okay. Wait. Wait. Harvard about implicit. I'm, two of us are Googling. bias. Yeah. Here we go. Harvard I found bias it. Test. I found it. It's yeah. called it's called implicit implicit. implicit bias. Okay. I M P L I C I T dot harvard dot edu backslash implicit. You can also it. Google Project Implicit. Implicit. Yeah. Um, Implicit bias or biases. If you just Google Im- the, Implicit yeah. biases are, we should define it, are biases that yeah. um, kind of you don't know you have. And implicit meaning sort of hidden biases. And it's a fascinating thing to go on this website and to find out that you actually do have a lot of bias. So I encourage parents and professionals to please go to Project Implicit, run by Harvard, and take these online tests, and you will be shocked. Shocked. And yeah. I and I really hope that that helps you with your work with kids and your raising kids. Please go on to that. Again, Google project implicit to figure out what your biases are so that we can do better with this next generation. It's yes. just not okay, I think, to, to I, well, perpetuate, I like knowing- per- perpetuate the last generation's biases. It's just it's right. not all right.
3: And knowing is half the battle, I think. Like, once you know... What your bi- What you have to be aware. You have to be aware of what your biases are. Sometimes you don't even you're not even aware. You know, of it's
2: anything. even stuff like this, and we're we're coming up upon the fifteen minute mark already, Allison. Oh, but really? We, I think we are. I just started. <laughs> we okay. are, um, but but I, you know, even stuff like this, like um, you think children shouldn't express their emotions, is a bias.
3: Yes, that's a bias. It's a bias. It has
2: to do with how you were raised, um, and nice. maybe what you experienced. And that's your bias. That doesn't mean it's true for everybody. It's not true for everybody. It's not true. Like, I can't stand when people are kind of like, this is, you know. I like to, when I teach, and I teach a lot of professional development, child development things, I go from scholarly work. You know, just like I was able to Google Project Implicit. Like, I have all of these materials and all this scholarly work. And I think some people just go in with their own biases and teach more bias.
3: Yeah. Oh, they yeah. do? Oh, God, yeah. Like, so they we just, have to be careful of that. It perpetuates itself. It yeah.
2: Re- it really does. But we are now, we have to end this episode, believe it or not. Um, so we want to, Allison and I were talking offline, and we really want to encourage people to email us questions and things they'd like us to talk about, and you may find yeah. it in a future episode. Um, you okay. can send those emails. I'll share them with Allison, because I have um, an email address, like a business one. It's Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at helpingkidsachieve.com you can also reach me through my website which is helpingkidsachieve.com and email those questions we also very much want to encourage you to please rate our podcast and comment on whatever you're listening to it on um, whatever format you're listening to it on Uh, if you give us anything less than a five we're going to cry though just putting that out there
3: (laughs) yeah yeah and if you like it like and share always like and share Yeah, I can share everything. Yeah,
2: please do. And we hope that you will check out that website and check into your biases. uh, And we'll hopefully hear from you via email or your comments.